Welcome to the Ambulatory Healthcare Today podcast, hosted by the NextGen Advisors. Accelerate your success with insights from a multidisciplinary team of healthcare experts as they discuss an array of topics. These timely discussions can help you better navigate the challenges of running your ambulatory care practice. Here is your host. Hello. This is Dr. Marty Lustig, Senior Vice President and Principal with NextGen Advisors. I'm joined today by my fellow advisor, Graham Brown, and NextGen's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Bob Murray. Welcome to you both. Good afternoon, Marty. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me, Marty. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the role of health information technology in health equity. But before we get started, I'd like to ask Dr. Murray to tell us a little about himself. Bob, you've recently been promoted to CMO for NextGen. Can you tell us a little about your background and how you're viewing this new role? Sure, Marty. Um, well, I've been with NextGen almost 10 years. Uh, prior to being uh, the CMO, I was the chief medical informatics officer. And so a lot of the clinical products reported to me and a lot of the kind of informatics, the way that the, the clinical products work um, was my responsibility. I'm also a practicing family physician. I use NextGen when I see patients every week. So I try to bring that background uh, into my work uh, for as CMO as well. And in my opinion, the chief medical officer for, you know, a software company, for an EHR company, you know, is responsible for trying to make sure that we build the right things, right? That the products that we build are, are safe, uh, that they're regulatory compliant, but mostly that they're useful to the healthcare providers out there in, to help send them to, so that they can do their job of, of providing, you know, excellent care and creating, you know, what is our corporate model, right? Um, better healthcare outcomes for all. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, let's move to our topic for the day. I know on March 10th, you, Dr. Murray, you presented to the ONC Health IT Advisory Committee at their meeting, which was titled Health Equity by Design. And you highlighted five areas of focus for health IT in reducing health disparities. They were health equity data collection, actionable analysis of the data, integration of healthcare and social service providers, uh, the special role that HIEs can play, and finally, access to healthcare and technology. So let's start with the data collection. Bob, what do you see as the biggest opportunity and the biggest challenge in collecting data as it relates to health disparities? Yeah, thank you, Marty. It was it was a pleasure to present before the committee. I think um, health equity is certainly a topic that the three of us are very passionate about, that NextGen is very passionate about. And there's lots of parts of health equity they don't have anything to do with technology and don't have anything to do with healthcare, frankly. Um, but um, it, it, if we are thinking about the technology aspects of it, trying to achieve equitable, fair healthcare delivery, healthcare outcomes begins with measuring what kind of care is delivered and to what kind of people it is, right? So you can't, you can't manage what you can't measure. And so there's a group of data of characteristics about patients that are typically called health equity data. And those include race and preferred language and ethnicity. They also include uh, what are frequently referred to as the social determinants of health, your income, your access to various services, which we all know 
have a much bigger impact on your health and your health outcomes than the actual care that folks are delivering uh, in the clinic. And there's more data than that. There's data on sexual orientation, gender identity. So that's great. A lot of that data is currently collected by EHRs and other clinical systems. Um, But there's still data that's not in some of the commonly defined and what ONC requires that these systems be able to, uh, to record and to report on. So for instance, whether or not you have access to clean drinking water that's lead free clearly is going to have an impact uh, on your health and, and, and could be the source of a, of a significant uh, you know, health disparity, but that's not a standardized data element, right? And there's many more like that in terms of, do you have technology? Can you receive uh, email or text messages? You know, there's lots of these. And so the, one of the, the challenges that I was presenting to the ONC was uh, they need to continue to push this area. There's an international body called HL7, which has this uh, active project called the Gravity Project, whose responsibility is to try to define some more of these elements for the industry and the, and the world. And we're very supportive of that. But um, at, within the United States, it's going to be the ONC because they're the ones that say how this technology needs to work um, that are going to make those rules. Um, so that was a big, a big area of, of opportunity for them. Uh, I did remind them as they're going to pursue that, that they always need to be balancing right the burden of data collection with the benefit that we're going to get out of it, right? Because it, we cannot just ask these physicians and healthcare organizations that are already experiencing burnout and the extra load from COVID uh, to just keep doing more and more and more so that we have more and more data. Um, but we need to try to balance the the benefit of getting that data so that we can combat health uh, disparities and, and promote health equity um, with the, the work, frankly, and the time that it takes to do it. Um, the final uh, area of, of significant challenge that I, that I presented was there are a lot of privacy concerns around health equity data, right? Data around your, your gender identity or your income. That's some of the most private data that you might, you know, uh, uh, want to uh, to protect and to have control over who uh, has access to it and how it's used and if it's going to be interoperable, it's going to be transmitted to various folks that are hopefully trying to take care of you and help you. You still are going to want control over that data, but uh, as a nation, the, the the privacy framework for that sort of thing. Uh, is very, very uh, early stages. And again, uh, it's going to be ONC that dictates that kind of thing and defines what that framework needs to be. But if we're not going to have a backlash against, you know, information sharing, you know, the opposite of information blocking, right? But consumer groups are going to say, we will not let this information be shared because we don't have control over it. Um, ONC's main goal for making uh, information available to healthcare and other social services providers is going to get thwarted from the consumer side if they don't define a, a better privacy framework. Sort of goes back to the two sides of HIPAA, portability and privacy. Uh, Absolutely. Graham, your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I think uh, Bob has a really um, excellent and well-informed perspective on some of the bigger picture challenges and opportunities here. Um, and I think my perspective is pretty similar. Some of the, the biggest opportunities when we're thinking about the different organizations that serve patients in the community, whether those are healthcare, social service, or some other type of entity, they're all on different platforms. They're all trying to collect information about the customers or the clients they're serving. 
but they do it in various different ways. So it's so crucial for us to create some standardization to bring together these elements from not just healthcare organizations, but from many, many different agencies in, you know, across the United States and around the world. There's hundreds of thousands of them. So the task is in itself fairly enormous. At the same point, that ability to standardize and bring risk data in and then really apply some weights and measures. So when you think about in Bob's example before, an individual may not have access to clean drinking water. How impactful is that risk on that individual's care? Is it a multiplier of five? Is it a multiplier of two in terms of their potential health outcome being adverse? So we need to really think about how these social determinants of health data fit within the context of healthcare data and how that informs then clinicians really developing a, an appropriate whole person-centered care plan mm -hmm. that takes account for all of those new pieces of information and allows them to kind of map, map a path forward, likely in collaboration then with those other community agencies. Well, Graham, that's a great point for my next question that's kind of leads us into it. So we're collecting all this data and we have to be able to do something with it. Um, so Bob, tell me what you see as the important steps in sort of turning that data into something, act, some actionable information. Yeah, and and it begins with what Graham just said, right? You need to uh, you need to gather the the social determinants of health, the health equity data, and then you need to compare it to healthcare outcomes, right? And you need to do that analysis to see what parts of the person that you know about um, and the, the way that they're interacting with the healthcare system and the greater social environment that they're in, what outcomes is that leading to? What impacts is that having? And once you know that, then you could begin to focus your efforts to uh, to affect those outcomes, to change those parameters that are that are changeable, or try to you know mitigate them through efforts, and this is you know bread and butter stuff for you know especially large healthcare organizations, you know social services, public health departments. Um, this is this is what they do. They look at trying to influence outcomes with you know initiatives designed to you know make sure that there are more resources in this location or like comparing the outcomes of, you know, site A and site B, and then what's leading to those differences. And can we propagate that throughout our healthcare system? Um, all those kinds of analysis and uh, the initiatives and the actions and the performance improvement and the quality improvement um, that, that, they, that stem from those analysis in the real world, that's how we actually uh, work towards uh, a more uh, equitable healthcare system. Graham, if you look at this both in terms of the actionable information, and you had mentioned earlier the different types of organizations that we need to be getting that information and data from, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on how progressive practices are beginning to create these connections and what types of actions you're seeing at that interface between the healthcare services and the other services that might be need to brought to bear? Uh, sure, happy to. You know, some because there really is some interesting, innovative work happening out there. And so, some things that come to mind is I've seen community health centers and federally qualified health centers uh, kind of do direct work with other social service agencies within their community. And what they'll often do is 
recognize that they're serving, as I was saying before, serving the same population. They've got the same client base or they're a largely overlapping client base. So first doing some kind of coordinated case conferences. We're both serving this individual. You're providing these services. There's some overlap with the services we're doing. Maybe who's the best coordinator? Who should be the lead agency in coordinating this person's care? Is there care because of social issues, substance abuse issues, travel and access issues? Um, or is it predominantly, you know, that they have a variety of um, disease conditions that are complicating each other and making it just difficult to manage their care? I think having that kind of case conference holistic view allows the agencies to really see where they can supplement each other's care and act in concert with each other. Mm -hmm. Another another version of that is recognizing, uh, again, from the health equity perspective, that some people just don't come into clinical care. Uh, you need to go to them. And so certainly where we live in Rochester, New York, there's a number of different programs that put a care team onto a van and drive them either into rural areas or they drive them into different parts of the urban and suburban centers that don't have care directly with them, might be in a food desert, might have other social issues, strong pockets of substance use disorder. So bringing care to those individuals and doing kind of direct outreach at the street level, um, assessing patients, trying to get them involved in care, or getting them connected to stable housing or other social services. So meeting patients where they are and then acting collaboratively, I think are two really effective interventions that we mm -hmm. see. The challenge can be, of course, that those are labor-intensive and resource-intensive programs to staff and to operate. And so ultimately, you know, I think more and more, and this is where I really love the theme of what Bob was presenting, is we're going to have to rely on technology to supplement the workforce mm -hmm. and to take the role of some of the, the hard hand-on-hand -hand work out of the caregiver's hands and try to augment it with technology or other programs. Mm -hmm. Really interesting uh, examples, Graham. You know, when you talk about the grand rounds, it reminds me of conversations when I came to a community table uh, from the healthcare side and first started meeting with social service uh, agencies. And it took us a long time to figure out that when we talked about care managers or case management, we were talking about complete, we were using the same words and talking about completely different things. Yes. And so, you know, building those bridges by actually talking to each other, I think, you know, it's a, I'm glad you highlighted that. You also mentioned, you know, that moving, depending on technology more. So I'd like to, to ask Bob if you can talk a little bit more about, um, help us understand the role of interoperability and specifically the role of community health information exchanges in supporting integration of these kinds of services. Yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly what Graham was just describing. If we just picture, okay, so what would be the kinds of technology that would underlie those handoffs, right? That kind of community grand rounds that's going to occur between the social services providers, the public health department, the clinics, and everyone else that that is going to be needed to uh, to play a role in in combating uh, health inequity. So let's you know picture an example, right? The somebody in the healthcare organization identifies a few needs that a particular person has. They have barriers with transportation. 
and maybe they uh, don't have uh, adequate access uh, to you know certain uh, resources that they need. So that's great, but the healthcare provider cannot fix those things, right? They have to rely on other agencies, other partners to do that. And so interoperability in this context would be the ability for that healthcare provider to, with appropriate privacy and security and the permission of the patient, you know, transmit those needs to the agencies that can fill them. And, and then that agency can let the provider know that, the, that this has been, uh, uh, you know, remedied or mitigated, or this is how we can get around this, or, you know, here's a, here, I can't do this one now, but here's another agency that can. Um, all of those things, um, if we build uh, around the interoperable ecosystem that ONC has been promoting for EHRs, but if we can expand that into some of the social services, public health agencies, and other departments or other you know uh, you know entities, that's what is needed uh, in terms of interoperability, information communication uh, in this realm. So the reason why uh, health information exchanges (HIEs) can play such a big role in this is that that is already their business, right? Their business is. Uh, the facilitating the exchange of data and they're they are data networks so you know when HIEs were first envisioned the idea would be that hospitals and clinics in a certain area would all contribute records into a central location so that a future caregiver could look at that location and get a more comprehensive picture of the care that the patient had been delivered that's how they were conceived and many of them have worked that way and many of them have succeeded that way but over time, people are realized, well, that's great, but there are lots of other people that, that might want to contribute to the health of that patient that both have data to contribute, but also can really usefully use some of that data. And so more recently, many HIEs, the forward thinking ones, are moving into, into that operation. You might picture them as like, a, like an information utility, right? They're connecting the data suppliers with the data consumers and for health equity, the data consumers are many times social services agencies and, and uh, other folks in the community agencies that can help with healthcare gaps. So HIEs are networks. And so networks benefit the more people that are able to, to connect with them. And so they're one of the few kind of uh, you know, entities in this space that has a natural incentive to try to make it easy for everyone to connect because the whole network benefits when more and more you know, entities are able to connect. And so for that reason, we uh, advocated to ONC and we do firmly believe that HIEs can play a significant role in providing the underlying plumbing and technology that can connect uh, all of the teams and all the entities together uh, as they work together to try to improve the health of individual people and then make it equitable for all. Well, thank you. That's a very helpful explanation. It makes it sound, I know, a lot easier than it probably is to actually do all of those things, but very helpful to understand it. So let's move to the final theme in the ONC presentation was access, uh, both access to services and access to technology. And I'd like each of you to share your thoughts on the implications of this issue, specifically on achieving health equity. Graham, why don't you go first? Yeah, I think, you know, the one of the first critical steps, and really, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let Dr. Murray speak about this more fully. He was the one that made the presentation, but there was a, an element in this presentation that really stuck with me. 
which was the need to increase access to the smart devices and broadband for individuals to participate in a digitally connected healthcare system. More and more, we see capabilities moving out of the office and onto devices. And I think to a large extent, the technology infrastructure is enabling those care modalities to occur. And there's a certain level of user, consumers, patients today that want to do more on their phones if they can. It's more convenient. It's more effective. It may be less costly. But to really achieve that well, we need to extend those devices to the people that don't have them and extend broadband internet access and high speed capabilities to whole parts of the country that don't have it today. So, I mean, what's encouraging is we recognize in the last couple of years, the federal government has made enormous investments in this area. And I think the coming years will see us close a lot of those pockets that don't have this high speed internet access. Um, so we're moving in the right direction in that regard. Uh, but that infrastructure build is going to take a little while to catch up with the needs that even we're faced with today. Yeah, I live in a, sm a small town and uh, on our main street, there's an area about 100 yards long where there's even if you've got a smartphone, it doesn't work. So <laughs> still gaps out there. Uh, um, Bob, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with um, with Graham uh, and Marty. You had some some great thoughts on this too that I incorporated into the the presentation. But you know, disparities of access are part of the problem with health equity, right? But but they also, but if we can get access and technology and the ability to do virtual care and patient education and uh, and text message patient reminders and check ins. And, and all of the things that um, this, the smart devices and connectivity can provide, if we can provide that, then that technology, that connectivity, that ability to engage patients is then part of the solution, right? It's not the whole solution, but it's absolutely one of the most effective, measurable, and efficient ways to uh, reach out to people. And then you can also do what technology companies are doing all the time. They're trying it this way. They're trying it that way. They're seeing what is most effective, right? They're allowing, you know, folks to experience the way that they need to understand their own health in a way that is tailored to them as people, because again, they have access to uh, information and the, the specific ways that the technology can deliver that for them. Um, so I think that uh, supporting broadband access, supporting the availability of devices to people that either don't have them or are not comfortable, uh, you know, using their personal device uh, with, you know, government agencies, for instance, um, is absolutely part of this, the solution here. And it's also an efficient investment if the goal is to try to improve uh, health equity uh, for all. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I think I'll let that be the last word. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to our guests today, Dr. Bob Murray, uh, and to my fellow advisor, Graham Brown, for sharing your insights. Uh, this is a critically important topic. And thanks also to our listeners for joining us for this episode of Ambulatory Healthcare Today. This is Dr. Marty Lustig with NextGen Advisors. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Ambulatory Healthcare Today podcast, hosted by the NextGen Advisors. Never miss an episode by subscribing at nextgen.com slash podcast.
To see a list of products and services tailored for ambulatory care practices, visit nextgen.com.